So we arrive at identity layer four today. Um, we've gone through the previous layers, if you can remember what they are. Preference, perception and comparison was the first one. Then skills, passion and opportunity was the second one. Uh, last time, last week, we looked at character um, being the third layer. Um, so we looked at things like how the events of your life, the things that happen in your life will shape you and shape your character Um, and if we can be people who invite God into that process of being shaped by those things that we go through um, there's the opportunity for us to be strengthened and be developed and um, I suppose enhanced who we are is enhanced by being able to successfully navigate um, or I suppose sometimes just keep our heads above water when things are difficult We looked at a verse as well in Romans 5, verse 4, last time, and it says this, uh, it's about character, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Uh, And that, to me, is a kind of quite a a landmark verse in, in the whole thing of identity that we've said a few times with this this look at identity these layers we're doing it in reverse order so as as we look at character we're now digging a bit deeper to look at okay well if things uh, if perseverance if suffering um kind of requires perseverance perseverance develops character character leads to hope uh, then we've got to look at the things that fit into the sufferings bracket and we've identified them as quite a few different things. So the next couple of layers, next three layers, will be those elements that lead to our character being shaped. So today we're looking um, at what I would describe as one of the key shapers of our character. And I've described it as thorns. Okay, um, so we're going to go for a bit of a journey of looking at, at what thorns are. Um, and actually, this whole topic of thorns has been an interesting one for me because when we, we moved into this house nearly like four years ago, nearly to the day, I think it was about um, the 2nd of May, we moved into this house. And I remember spending some time in the garden. And whilst I was doing it, I've never been a gardener. I still not consider myself a gardener. Uh, I can break things and destroy things, which has been quite beneficial with our garden, as you'll hear in a few moments. Um, But for me, spending some time in the garden, beginning to understand some stuff about our garden, I really felt like God spoke to me about this whole thing of thorns. And that's, I suppose, what I want to share with us today. When we moved in, um, the house was in a dreadful state. Um, it had been quite neglected and the garden was the perfect kind of outdoor example of the interior of the house in the fact that it was too neglected you could tell at some point that it had been really loved so there'd been some um some purpose and some reason as to why things were the way they were but as you looked at it it did look full it looked um it looked like it had a lot of life there's a lot of greenery in it so so at a glance you'd go wow what a brilliant garden and i'd say when we looked at the house and wanted to buy it the garden was one of the reasons because it was big um and we saw that it it had great potential Um, and it had a lot of life in it it wasn't just um a piece of grass and that was it there was plenty of other things in there but on closer inspection, what we began to realise is that the garden really, even though it had lots of stuff in it, it was riddled with brambles and it was riddled with thorns and weeds and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you didn't notice that on first glance. Um, but 
when you began to realise how deep and intense all of this stuff was, I noticed that the garden was probably about reduced... The size of the garden was probably reduced by about a third because of the amount of stuff that was amassed at each side. So there's still a lawn in the middle that we could get on and enjoy, but um, at the sides, it just felt like they were, they were pushing in. Um, and I think what you begin to realise when you look at the garden that we had um, is that there were some plants and there were some, um, some bushes and some trees that had been placed around the garden, but, but actually they'd become completely overtaken by brambles and thorns and and stuff that wasn't intentionally planted in those uh, in those places. It's almost like those elements had, had been given free reign and had pretty much had a mind of their own. And just they, sometimes when you, when you plant stuff, it's about nurturing and growing and helping and assisting it to grow, and you can take delight as you see it kind of flourishing. But but weeds and and brambles and that kind of stuff. They don't really play by those rules. Um, and if you've ever had to try and get rid of them, <laughs> you'll see that it's an absolute nightmare. So what happened was it began to, this stuff began to dominate and in some cases suffocate what was actually in the garden. What was nice there before had been completely overrun and was being suffocated by these thorns. And what you find, especially with brambles, is sometimes they bear fruit. And you're like, oh, wow, this is brilliant. We've got some blackberries. Oh, what a nice tree. Oh, I was going to pick some. Um, but even picking the things is, is never a, a particularly nice experience. It's quite painful. Sometimes the positions that they are is really hard to get to. Now, sometimes people will purposely grow um, some brambles so they can, they can kind of control that area. And in a controlled environment, you can maximise everything that it works. But when they're left wild... They completely overrun everything. And, and the benefit of the fruit might be nice in some ways, but, but it's kind of like a bittersweet type thing um, in the fact that it, it can be quite difficult to, to get to them and manage them. Uh, but we can see that sometimes there is that positive. And ultimately, what you find with this kind of stuff is that they're just so hard to remove, uh, especially when it's left unattended for a while. And the, the downside is, once they're removed... Um, they come back <laughs> really, really quickly. But I would say, if I think back to when I pulled our brambles out, I didn't realise at the start exactly how bad it was. You go, oh, I'm just going to get rid of some of these brambles. I can see, I can see some of the leaves poking through. I start bringing them out. They were wrapped around everything. And there was the spikes and thorns on them were so big that to try and grab hold of them, it didn't matter how big the gloves I had were, and there would always be one thorn that would that would go through the glove and prick your finger. And it just became agony trying to get rid of them. But without doing it, the garden never would um, would be able to breathe again, is what it felt like. Um, so I remember that first summer we were here, spending quite a lot of time hacking out um, as many of the, the kind of roots and stuff and, and bottoms, just cutting the, the brambles off at the bottom and then grabbing a whole load of them at the top and just walking, trying to grab it and then just trying to walk away from the bush and pull as much of it with me. 
And it was it was bizarre in the fact that you end up with a huge mound of brambles and thorns and, and, and spikes in the middle of the lawn, which is a nightmare to try and get rid of. Um, but you end up with a huge mound there, and then you look at what's left behind, and it's this kind of withered, decrepit kind of um, side of your garden. But you, you realise how dominant and how uh, intrusive and how suffocating um, those brambles have become. Um, and they were so, they'd grown so big and so thick and so, um, so spiky and thorny that it was just a nightmare um, to try and get rid of. But with perseverance and determination, we managed to do it, managed to get through it. Now, the, the fact is, you remove it and... The, their return is quite subtle. So you find it's... I've, I've not discovered a way, if anyone knows it, um, of being able to kill it and it never coming back um, without killing everything else in the garden. Um, but when, when they start sprouting again, they almost look quite cute and quite nice. Uh, and it's really easy just to leave and go, I'll get that when it's a bit bigger. Uh, but even trying to remove a tiny little one is painful because the spikes and the thorns seem to be the first thing that develops so that it's never something you can pick out without gloves on. It's really, really difficult. Uh, and what you find is if you leave it for a little bit, the growth of that, that bramble is really rapid. So you go, I'll leave it for a little bit. Within a week, it can be multiplied in size um, and just weaving its way around loads of places. So it's one of these things where it just becomes so hard to manage. And it's, it's one of these lessons, I suppose, that if you're not aware and attentive to keeping on control of that, keeping in control of that kind of thing, that it begins to quite quickly take over um, and you're back to square one if you're, if you're not careful. So that's my initial picture of the garden. So let's park that thinking just for a minute um, and move on to um, a topic which is never particularly a nice one to look at. Um, but when we think about our identity and what shapes us, the whole idea of sin, as the Bible calls it, is quite a big thing for us to navigate in our lives. I've never enjoyed the word sin because it just seems like quite an old, archaic uh, word. And when you talk to people who, who've not grown up in church or, or haven't particularly spent much time in church, the concept of sin just doesn't really work for most people. So if you think about it more in terms of wrong things that we do or anything that, that's wrong that we do that we usually know when we're doing something wrong, and those are the kind of things we're talking about. When you do, uh, if you ever do alpha, um, they talk about um, when they talk about sin. They talk about there's there's a pollution attached to sin. So when we do things wrong, it, it can pollute us. Uh, there's a power to it. So there's almost like an addiction and a temptation and, and something that holds us when we're in it. Um, and there's there's a partition. It talks about there being a partition that that sometimes it's sin. It's the things that we do wrong that create this barrier between us and God. Um, so we can begin to understand uh, what sin actually is. And I suppose there's clear things that as human beings we go, yeah, yeah, we see that those are, are sins in the traditional sense. So things like murder, violence, abuse, adultery, all these different kind of things. We can put them in the, the these, this is the sin bracket, this is the sin box. So we know, we know these are sins, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, everyone knows you shouldn't do those kind of things. But actually sin is much more complex than that. Um, 
And actually, there's so many things that we can do wrong and so many times that we can find ourselves going down a path where things are a bit difficult. And often it's a lot more subtle things. Uh, maybe it's the tendency to get caught up in gossiping all the time or um, or Bible talk about things like lust. Uh, greed is a huge thing. Um, uh, greed is a massive thing. Pursuit of, of power. Um, obsessive behaviour about different things. Bad temper. All of these kind of things become... They're, they're sins in their own right, but because they're not, um, they're not kind of directly, I suppose, directly hurting and damaging someone else like murder would uh, or violence would, um, we can almost find that we grade it. But when it's, become, when it's become something that is maybe more of a private and personal battle, um, because it's hidden and secret and, and away from public attention or even the awareness of other people, we can, um, I suppose we can downgrade it and say that it's not, um, it's not as important or it's not as bad as some of these other things. And I think the reality is when we look at it, if we, if we put ourselves in God's shoes, if he's not looking at it as something that is about impacting other people, he's looking at it about impacting the individual, that he would look at it and go, well, in his mind, all sin's the same. So, so all sin's the same because um, it's the, the damage that it does to the individual who is, who is kind of caught up in that kind of stuff. And... Um, is something that he wants to free them from, is something that he wants to release them from. He doesn't want them to be behaving like that because he can see the impact, the pollution, the difficulty that it would cause for that particular individual. Uh, and when you look at uh, Romans um, 3.23, says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, I often find that passage a little bit depressing. So I think, oh, man, we're all screwed. Because if we're all, we're all falling short, and then actually we're all fighting. It almost feels like we're fighting a losing battle because we can't hit the standard. But it's not the standard that's required. It's just actually there is this this um, drive. I think that when we connect with God, there's a drive for us to try and be better. And that standard isn't one that we will get a badge for. That hey, you finally arrived. You finally got it. Got to the standard that God's required. I think we'll always fall short of that when when we kind of understand that that everyone makes mistakes. Everyone does things uh, all in different ways that will um, sometimes, as we look at those words, sometimes pollute us, sometimes have a power over us and sometimes cause a distance between us and God. Then we've all got stuff to be working on. And for different people, it's completely different things. So let's try and merge these two things we've been looking at. This concept of sin that we talk about in the Bible that sometimes feels a little bit... Um, the term sin sometimes makes it feel a bit fictional. But the reality is when it's just as simple as we all do things wrong. Um, let's try and merge that with this whole thing of the thorns in the garden because to me as I as I tried to do this process of getting rid of the thorns I felt like God kept talking to me about loads of different things and for me the similarities are clear sometimes our lives can appear at a glance like everything's absolutely fine like we've got it all together but as we take uh, a closer look or people get closer to us sometimes we're brilliant at hiding things but other times people can begin to see actually 
there, there's some cracks beginning to show because maybe they haven't got it all together or maybe the, their life isn't working perfectly, isn't going absolutely brilliantly. And what we can find is, is sin and the things that we do wrong can begin to affect and impact who we actually are um, and how we feel about ourselves especially. And then just like the thorns, if left unattended, sometimes these things can begin to take over our lives. They can dominate our thoughts, um, our, our feelings, our way of operating and acting. Uh, and sometimes they can even suffocate um, who we actually are um, and suffocate our ability to be the best version of who we're intended to be. Uh, and that's just a massive challenge. Sometimes we can see, like with the, the brambles, sometimes we can see fruit from it and there can be an attraction and a kind of um, sometimes a reward or a, a good feeling about some of the things that, that maybe deep down in our hearts we know um, isn't the greatest thing for us to be doing. Uh, but there can sometimes be this, this, this reward or this feel-good factor that's attached to it. And I suppose the greatest similarity between the, the brambles and, um, and the things that we do wrong in our lives and some of the traps that we fall into is that they're both really hard to overcome. They're both really hard to, um, to sort out. And I suppose in a similar way with the brambles, once removed, it doesn't mean that suddenly I've managed to deal with this stuff and process my life to, to sort out some of these things that have been tripping me up or getting me down or, or, or hurting me, um, it's not as simple as saying, oh, I've done that now, I've overcome that now, and that's it, I can just move on and now life's great. There's, there's often these, this temptation and this, um, this repeating cycle where these things can come back subtly to, to sweep in and, um, and begin to take hold of our lives without us even knowing it. And sometimes the growth of that, just like with the brambles, can be rapid once it has a, an opportunity to get back into our lives. So left unattended, it can take over us, dominate and suffocate. Um, and once we move, the battle continues. We, we kind of end up trying to master um, resisting temptation, um, falling back into old habits and old ways. Um, and just as you, you, when you go to try and start removing thorns that are, are kind of coming up in the garden, these, these feelings and these memories, these experiences can be painful to revisit. And it can be painful to try and, try and uh, touch again and, and work on again. Um, and that's why that, that knowledge of it being painful means it can be something that's really difficult for us to... Um, for us to revisit and and we can avoid um addressing those those small things and that's when these things can sneak back in and begin to take over again so i suppose simply if we merge those two things together i suppose the question to ponder and consider um is certainly not for people to answer now <laughs> no you don't need to answer it at all but for you to consider is what thorns in your life would you say you've really grappled with what are some of the thorns that you've had to experience and deal with and, and maybe they've developed in your life and it's not been anything that you've even thought about, but it's been something that once it's developed and once it's got a strong, like a kind of strong hold in your life, you've realised that it's not good and it's something that needs to go. Um, 
maybe it's stuff that you've managed to master um, and that has, has led you to that point that we talked about um, is developed perseverance and that's developed character and, and you, you found hope because of that journey. Maybe there's things in your life that you've managed to, um, to overcome and master. But then equally, maybe um, there's things that are going on now in your lives where you look at it and go, if I'm brutally honest with myself, there's stuff that's got a grip on me or there's things, there's patterns of behaviour or habits or, or, or patterns of, of thinking that are overtaking who I know I could be. Um, and it could be all sorts of different things. I'm not going to do a lucky dip of trying to throw things out there. Um, but it might be that there's things now that are difficult to attend to and difficult to touch because you know that the process of trying to get rid of it just seems a little bit too too big. Um, and th- there's a really important message in all of this stuff that, that this layer isn't about going, oh, yeah, I've got loads of problems and, um, and uh, I know there's loads of things I need to work on and be better at. Of, of course we've all got stuff we need to work on and be better at. But, but the point of acknowledging this layer is saying that if we can be aware of these things and invite God into the mix, then there's always hope in these situations. And that's the thing. Luckily, uh, we have hope um, through Jesus, through, through who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It transforms this whole battle with thorns and, and the difficult things that we have to try and overcome in our lives that, that may well hinder us and sometimes dominate our lives and sometimes suffocate us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that's the point. His entire purpose was about this stuff that we're talking about. Today isn't about depressing each other because we um, have made mistakes or things haven't gone the way we wanted them to and, and maybe life's a bit difficult. It's about understanding that whatever has happened and whatever has shaped you, whatever you're still grappling with today, the great message is that there's hope for each of us because of who Jesus is and because of why he came. And for me, the biggest realisation as I stood in the garden trying to grab handfuls of of really thick brambles and and walk walk away from a, a, a big kind of mass of bushes and pull as much of it with me as I could as I pulled that away and was getting pricked with thorns and and it being generally quite a horrible experience of trying to remove this mess um, and the, the pain of it. As I went through that battle, it was painful. Um, that stuff, as I was doing it, I thought, if I don't do this, this stuff's going to get worse. This stuff's going to come back. Uh, it's overwhelming everything. I've got to address this. So as I battled with those thorns, the realisation for me in that moment was that when I look at Jesus, what he did was he came into the world his purpose and his mission was to do what I was doing with these thorns, was to take, take them, to take the wrong things that we'd done, the sin, the mess, the difficulty, the mistakes, um, the wrong attitudes, the wrong thoughts, um, the things that have hurt other people, the things that are private struggles for us. He'd take all of that stuff and he would overcome it and destroy it 
um, because that's what he can do. That's, that's the message of hope that he brings that. And I look at the story of Jesus traveling um, to uh, his journey to the cross and think about him being beaten and him being mocked. And the key thing for me in this story is that as Jesus was beaten and mocked, they placed a crown on his head and it was a crown of thorns. The very thing they used to mock was a picture of what it became for us. So for me, that moment, as I was grappling with, physically grappling with those thorns in the garden, I realised that, that Jesus wore a crown of thorns. He became the king who wore a crown of thorns, which completely depicts everything about his life. The thorns that we battle with in our lives, he was prepared to be identified as the king of that uh, and take on um, our thorns so that they could be destroyed. And that's the beauty of Jesus' life, that... that that's why he came. That's what it was all about. He came to restore our connection with God, to restore that relationship by getting rid of the mess and the stuff that we've picked up along the way that's, that's grown, that's begun to, that's began to weave its way around and, and sometimes get a grip on us. He, he came to take that so that we're free to completely uh, be restored in our relationship with God. And then... Um, John 8, um, verse 36, simply says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's the amazing message about this stuff. Thorns are a reality. There's not going to be any point in my garden, even if I find a solution of how I can get rid of them, they will come back. I know it. <laughs> um, but but it's it's about developing a resilience in life and and for us what we're talking about a resilience in faith that says when things come i can identify them early and i can i can have tactics and and people around me and all of the different things that i know i need to lift my head so i can overcome these things because it will happen and if we ever believe that life is just this perpetual kind of upward trajectory of it getting better every single day it simply doesn't seem to work like that so let's be honest and real about the fact that around the corner there will be new thorns uh, new challenges new difficult things um, that will potentially trip us up and have the uh, have the potential to suffocate who we are and stop us being uh, what we're aiming to talk about, being who Jesus would be if he was us. And that's the, that's the challenge. So if Jesus does this for us, um, what do we do about it? And, and to me, the amazing thing about Jesus, as I look at his life, um, I just love his example. I love reading about how he, how he decides to deal with this stuff. And, and to me, his approach to sin was really revolutionary. And I still think, when I look at how Jesus dealt with sin, I still think it's revolutionary in the way, compared to the way um, Christianity nowadays often approaches sin. Um, it says in, in John 12, um, verse 47, if anyone hears, this is Jesus talking, if anyone hears what I am saying and doesn't take it seriously, I don't reject them. I didn't come to reject the world, I came to save the world. And his example, his, his mission was never about judgment. It was never about 
um, grading everyone's sin, looking at all of the sin that was in people and saying, ah, that's too bad, or, or you can't come in, or you can't be a part of this. He completely smashed that model. Uh, and actually, when you look at... Um, uh, uh, the challenge that that gives to us our challenge then is to do what jesus did um, and to resist the temptation to become judgmental but model the compassion and understanding that jesus showed to other people and that's the that's the challenge with sin that if sin is a reality then what we're going to do about it yeah we do want to help people get free from sin we want to be able to walk with them and acknowledge the things that maybe people need to need help and support to overcome and battle in their lives but if it if it ever becomes about us um, rejecting and disregarding people because of sin we're not doing what jesus talked about at all and the most revolutionary stuff i love it and um, when I think about his compassion and his understanding, um, that's the kind of stuff that meant Jesus um, stood with the people who were mocked, who were abused, who were isolated in society, the people who were, in inverted commas, breaking the law, the actual law. Even when the law was right, Jesus would stand with the person who was being mocked and abused. I think about the lady caught in the act of adultery. She was clearly in the wrong and the law said she that the the actual judgment on that by the law was that she should be stoned to death uh, in the marketplace and that's that was the right thing to do but what jesus seemed to do is sweep in change the whole atmosphere and scenario and flip flip the flip the kind of the questioning and the the judgment on her back onto everyone else and he had this amazing ability of not not turning around and going, oh, sin. He never said sin doesn't matter. He would always encourage people and say, go away and sin no more and, and push people to, to sort their lives out. But he had an amazing ability to be able to make sure that the person felt loved, not judged. Um, and the most important thing was that someone would feel loved, not that someone was able to be right in the scenario and for me that's been a real um a real journey and a helpful challenge for me to make sure that my attitude towards anyone who i come across is that the most important thing is not that i'm right if i think something different to them is that they feel loved that's the most important thing so jesus's compassion his understanding has to shape the way we work and the way we think and it shapes our approach and attitude towards sin in other people um, we've got to, we've got to be aware of like the thorns we talk about we're talking about our own lives we want to be people who are attentive and aware and and want to address those things and we will have to be vulnerable at times and gather other people around us who can walk that journey with us but one of the most transforming things is our attitude towards other people and if jesus can do that where he can step in in the face of adversity when everyone else has got the stones in their hand ready to exact what has been decided is the right punishment for that person. They weren't doing the wrong thing according to the law, but he stood in, stepped in and changed it so that people um, had to be challenged in a completely different way. So just to finish, I think it'd be really good... um, just to take a bit of time to think I've got a song that I'm going to play um, I'm not personally going to play it um, 
I'm certainly not going to play it on the cajon for everyone to uh, to enjoy. Um, but I'm going to um, I'm going to put a song on. Um, it's one that we've been doing quite a bit over the last few weeks, um, and I want us just to have a bit of time just to think. And the three questions I want us to think about is: What have you overcome in your life? What is it that you would you would describe as thorns that you've done a, a kind of a, a bit of a a kind of revenant, I suppose a renovation job on a, a kind of cleansing job on of pulling the thorns out in order to be able to breathe again. Um, next question is what are you facing at the moment? What is it that maybe you're battling with at the moment? Maybe it's just an internal monologue that is going on, an internal dialogue that's going on inside that is, uh, is leading you down certain paths that you know is really suffocating you. Uh, what is it that you're battling with at the moment? And then the third question is, how can you effectively model the passion, the compassion of Jesus with the people that you meet? And there's, there's no kind of uh, magic fix this morning where we go, OK, well, if we ask ourselves these questions, then it'll all be sorted. The key point is invite Jesus into this stuff and, and let him into that dark so so thorns is often a dark compartment in our life where we don't particularly shed much light on it or invite Jesus or anyone else in to see that because it's the stuff that's hidden and that we don't particularly want people to know but if we can invite him into it then that process of be of being able to start chipping away chopping out and and cleansing ourselves of these things um, is really important and if you do need to talk about it, you know we're here. You can talk to to people close to you, people you know love you and want to help you. Let's get, let's be willing to stand with other people and make sure that we are people who effectively model that compassion um, that Jesus showed. So we're going to listen to this song, and um, I just want us to um, to listen to the words because um, it's it's talking about that phrase: "If um, who the sun sets free." Um, is free indeed that's the truth for us all so maybe you just need to sit and and just kind of soak in that a little bit um and then yeah let's just um pray to finish when that song's over and uh, and then we're done who am i that the highest king would welcome me I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am.
God, we thank you for that truth that ultimately our identity is that we are a child of God, that if we can embrace that and have that as our starting point, God, that's the strongest foundation and the best, um, the best starting place for us to, to build from. And as we look at this whole topic of thorns, God, I pray that you would begin to really gently with each of us reveal the things that that maybe in our lives are restricting us and in some cases suffocating us and I just pray that you would begin to work with us encourage us to to expose and and work on those things because God ultimately we know that because of what you've done we are we are free we are set free um, God, I pray that you would help us to um, to go on that journey with you and maybe with other people around us to be able to to walk into that freedom and and find uh, ways of overcoming that stuff so that we can breathe easier and we have the the freedom and the the space and the capacity to become everything that you've called us to be and made us to be. So, God, I pray that you would. Just chip away at each of us and, um, yeah, just begin to, to work with us and nudge us on the things that we know we could address that would enable us to be, um, to be free and better. So just guide us uh, this week and help us um, in these challenges. Amen. Amen.